Welcome to today's Bible study with Pastor Josh Tice. The next time you're in Las Vegas, we'd love to meet you in person at Southern Hills. If you happen to watch us regularly, please like and subscribe to our YouTube channel and consider sharing this video with a friend. You can support the ministries of Southern Hills by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab. Now, sit back, relax, and get ready to learn how the Bible is relevant in your life. Give them a round of applause. They were great. Man, wow. If you're new here, that is a tradition at our church. And, and we all have weird traditions, don't we? I, I'm an interactive preacher, so I want you to interact with me a little bit today on two parts of the sermon. The first part is at the beginning. I want to hear from you. I want to talk back and forth to you. How many of you have an odd, weird, different Christmas tradition that most families you think probably don't have? Uh, raise your hand if that's you. You say, I have a weird, odd, different family Christmas tradition that most families don't have. Raise your hand. So, yeah, okay, right in the back. What do you have back there? Yes, in the back? Yeah, Julie, I see you. Yeah, shout it out. Somebody less offensive. <laughs> you, have a, you have a favorite child competition every Christmas? Do you still have that competition? Yeah. Wow, very good. All right. Those of you who are our friends know that we actually, we actually learned that tradition from the lobbers, and we hold the same tradition for our children. It's traumatizing, but so much fun. It really is. <laughs> every year they get to compete to see who is, is the best. And um, it's very sad uh, for them, but it's fun for us. That's a whole nother sermon and a whole nother story. I'll tell that another time. Somebody else, an odd, different type of weird uh, Christmas tradition. Yes, what do you have? It wasn't my family, but some, one of my teachers growing up, they would make a Christmas maze for their kids to get down to the present. So when everyone's thinking, they'd make an obstacle They would make an obstacle course maze every Christmas morning. So for those who didn't hear... Um, there was, they would make an obstacle course maze from their rooms, from their beds, down to the Christmas tree every Christmas morning. Um, and they could not what? And they could, and they could not wake up their parents. Ladies and gentlemen. We could write this in a book and sell it, and we could steal their... We'll make tons of Christmas money. This would be great. A lot of weird Christmas traditions people have. Uh, my family was, was odd and strange, and so when Heather married into my family, she had no idea how we had Christmas morning. My, my dad was a pastor, and he liked to extend the Christmas morning as long as he possibly could by adding all sorts of unnecessary, superfluous things. For example, um, we would wake up and have a big breakfast, and then we would open our Christmas stockings. And then before we would open the presents, he had all sorts of things we wanted to do. Now, as a kid, I wanted to wake up, go to the presents, and open the presents. But he had all sorts of things he wanted to do ahead of time. For example, when we're ready to sit down, open the presents, it's finally like 9.30, 10 o'clock in the morning. And my father insisted on reading the Christmas story and explaining the entirety from Luke chapter number two. And how many of you know pastors like to talk a lot, right? 
And not only that, he didn't just read the Luke chapter 2 passage, he would go to the Matthew passage as well and read Matthew and Luke. And then he would cross-reference to the Old Testament. What is wrong with this guy? He's like, by the way, do you see what Zechariah had to say about? Don't care. Don't care about Zechariah. Give me my Christmas present. And before he would read the Christmas story, he would also include a time of prayer. But our time of prayer was different. It wasn't just, Lord, bless the day, amen. Uh, he would include uh, reading through the Christmas cards <laughs> on Christmas morning. And as a pastor, you receive a lot of Christmas cards. Now we're in the social media age, so instead of people taking pictures, sending out Christmas cards, people just post it online, and they're like, Merry Christmas from the Smiths, right? Back then, Christmas cards, and he was a pastor, so he got a lot of them. We would have a stack of Christmas cards, no kidding, like this big. And he, he insisted every Christmas morning, before we opened the presents, we would take each card, open it up, read the entire thing, and then we would pray for the person who sent us the card. You say, oh, oh yeah, that's nice. <laughs> Several of you, oh, isn't that sweet? You weren't a seven-year-old boy that needed his toy, you know what I mean? So he'd be reading through these Christmas cards, and then he'd say, who would like to pray for the Joneses? Josh, I would always raise my hand. I'd be like, I'll pray, I'll pray, let me pray. God bless the Joneses, amen. Next. Let's go. Come on, let's go. As I got older, as I got older, we began to, we committed several felonies. We would go to the mailbox, we'd open the Christmas cards, throw them away, you know? Check for Christmas, you know, gift cards, and then like pocket them and just... So when Heather got married to me and she entered our Christmas season and our Christmas time, there were a lot of uh, things she didn't know about. Like her family, you woke up, you opened the Christmas stockings first, and then everybody got their pile of Christmas presents and they just started opening, right, at the same time. That is not what we did. Even when we got to the presents, it was one person at a time. One present at a time. And it lasted for hours. And Heather's like, how long is Christmas? I'm like, there's a few things you need to know. There are tips, tricks, hacks to make Christmas actually work. Like, go to the bathroom beforehand, bring cookies with you, right? And just enjoy the holiday. Um, so no matter what Christmas you're celebrating or with whom, there's probably different aspects of that Christmas holiday that you learn. This is how we do Christmas, and these are the tips, trips, tips tricks, and hacks to get through Christmas in our place. Now, I'm going to share with you today, um, from a Christian perspective, some tips, tricks, and hacks to have a magical holiday experience. Because in our culture today, we've kind of lost what Christmas is all about in the midst of all the fun. And I love having fun, but in the midst of a lot of that, some of us have lost out on what we would call the true meaning of Christmas and understanding what the holy day or the holiday is all about. So that's what today's sermon is about. And, and whether or not you're 12 years old or you're 92 years old, today will help you understand really what it means to have a truly magical Christmas by understanding the true holiday. And the way you understand that is to understand that it is a holiday. Some people get nervous when you say happy holidays, right? Say Merry Christmas. Well, what they mean by happy holidays is that it's a holiday. It's a holy day. That's where we get the concept of holy days or holidays, is that all cultures throughout history have had special days that they have set apart for a specific reason. And all holidays are holy days that do the same 
honestly, five different things. And that's what we're going to talk about today. Every holy day, it really centers around five aspects that really make it a special holy day. In fact, the word holy itself literally means sanctified or set apart. It is a special sanctified set apart day that our culture puts aside to do five things. If you're ready to hear what these five things are, give me an amen. Amen. All right, what are these five things? All holidays do the same thing. They have a time of remembrance. They have a time of rest. They have a time of sacrifice. They have a time of feasting, and they have a time of fellowship. Let's talk about all five today from Luke, excuse me, from Leviticus chapter number 23, verses one and two. This is the first and only sermon you will ever hear on Christmas from the book of Leviticus. This is your Christmas sermon from Leviticus chapter number 23. Why do I pick Leviticus chapter number 23? Let's look at the text on the screen. Because Leviticus chapter number 23 is the chapter in the Bible where we learn about the five holidays of the ancient Jewish community, where we get our Christian faith from the Judeo-Christian line. All the way back to Leviticus chapter 23, we have an introduction to what a holy day is all about. And all five of their holy days, they actually celebrate five aspects in each of their holy days. And every holy day will have these five. Look at what Leviticus 23 verses 1 and 2 says. And the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and say to them, the feasts of the Lord, the feast. The other word for that is festival. The festival or the feast of the Lord, which you shall proclaim, is to be a holy convocation, a holy celebration, a holy day, a holiday. These are my feasts. And the rest of the chapter explains all five feasts. Now, for sake of time, today, this morning, I will not outline all five of their holy days. We have different holy days today, but we have the same elements of their holy days that we find in our holy days, which we're going to discuss even today. The very first one that you'll see in all of their holy days and all of our holy days, number one, the very first one is to remember. Five holiday hacks that guarantee true, truly a happy holy day, a holiday that you can have happiness. Number one, we must remember. I'm going to say number one. You say remember. Number one. Remember. Say it again. Number one. Remember. remember. Every holy day is set apart to remember. It's true even of the holidays that you celebrate. Memorial Day. Veterans Day. Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The 4th of July. These are days of remembrance. And so is Christmas a day of remembrance. What are we remembering on the day of Christmas other than, of course, the coming of God to earth in the form of man, the advent of Jesus Christ, the moment that God takes on flesh so that he could live among us, to love us, to reveal his father and redeem mankind. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. And my question is, will you take time to remember this? Look at what it says in Leviticus chapter 23, verses 42 about remembrance in their holidays. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths, that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel come out of, uh, out of Egypt and dwell in booths when they brought them out of the land of Egypt. This was talking about the specific memory of the Israelites being freed out of Egypt, free and in the promised land, and for 40 years as they traveled, they lived in tents. 
And the way they remembered that is by certain rituals that would remind them of how God saved them. All holy days have the same aspect. Remember. Taking time to remember. One of the problems with modern Christmas is that it's so filled up with eggnog and parties and celebrations and presents is that we don't take time to remember. Can I challenge you? Can I challenge you that literally one week from today on Christmas Day that you would take one hour to spend alone time with Jesus? Maybe early in the morning before the kids get up at three. <laughs> or maybe after they've been sugared out and it's 11 o'clock and they're just shot. Or maybe they're up in their rooms playing with their presents at 9.30 in the morning. Maybe you can just take that hour and go outside or go to the garage or go to your room or go to your closet and just sit and think about how Jesus Christ came to this world to die for your sins, how that he was buried and he rose from the grave, how that he did not come as a king that would conquer all nations, but he came as a lowly babe in a manger so that he could redeem your soul and sacrifice his life for yours. I ask you the question, when do you have scheduled time to remember Jesus on that morning or on that day? Could, could it be that you don't only remember personally, what about remembering corporately? Meaning the church together, not just you in solitude, but you in community with the church. That's why we have the Christmas Eve services. The reason we have four Christmas Eve services, 1.30, 3 o'clock, 4.30, and 6 o'clock is not because I and my team don't have more to do on Christmas Eve. It's because we want you to have an opportunity to remember why Christmas exists. And, and some of you have family and friends that are coming into town to celebrate with you. And you're thinking to yourself, okay, maybe I can slip away from them and come and remember. No, invite them. Bring them to Christmas Eve service. Say, hey, here's the schedule for Christmas Eve. We're going to go out to lunch, and then after lunch, we're going to go over to the one-hour Christmas Eve service and, and enjoy that environment, and it's a candle-lit, beautiful environment, and then we're going to go home, and we're going to watch It's a Wonderful Life or The Grinch or whatever you watch, and, and schedule it out, but include that in your schedule so that even not only you take time to remember Jesus, but that you're inviting your friends and family, coworkers, neighbors, relatives to do the same. That's why we do that. Or maybe for you, it's not only a time of remembering personally or with the community, but also remembering with your family, with your children. Meaning you don't have to necessarily read through a stack of Christmas cards or pray for a very long time or, or read all of the scripture, but could I encourage you to take advantage of next Sunday? What we do on, on Christmas Day here at Southern Hills is we call it Christmas at Home, where we are creating a video package for you to include, 12-minute to 13-minute video package for you to include in your Christmas morning experience as a family. So you wake up, maybe for you, you have breakfast first, or maybe for you, it's all about getting to the presents. And somewhere along the line, you stop and say, hey, kids, real quick, we're going to do a special time of the Bible all together. 
all right, kids, grandkids, everybody sit down. And we've got it right there on the YouTube page and on our website. And you just press play. And there we are. There's some Christmas music to sing along with our worship team. And there's Pastor Josh, and he's walking through Luke chapter 2 and Matthew chapter 1. And what does Zephaniah have to say about that? No, I won't do all that. I won't do that. (laughs) And here's the point. It's to access Christmas by making sure you're including the element that makes the Christmas day special. And that is to remember. When I say number one, you say remember. Number one, remember. Number two, the second hack of a truly holy happy day. Number two, sacrifice. I'm going to say number two, you say sacrifice. Number two, sacrifice. Every single holiday that you see celebrated in the Bible... It's not about what you get, it's about what you give. And in Leviticus chapter number 23, of all the holidays, you'll find that there are sacrifices to God, there are sacrifices to God's work, and there are sacrifices to the poor. This is what you see. I'm excited about giving my kids presents on Christmas, and my wife presents on Christmas, and my friends presents on Christmas, but I'm really excited about what will I give to God, to His work to the poor. Look at what it says in Leviticus chapter number 23, verse 7 and 8. On the first day, you shall do no customary work on it, but you shall offer an offering made by fire to the Lord. They were to bring an offering and give it and burn it. You say, but if it burns up, it's gone. Exactly. They would burn it up and it would offer their sacrifice to God. A shepherd who only had so many sheep every year would take one of his lambs and would sacrifice that lamb as an offering to God. But we don't just offer to God. We also offer to the work of God. That's what Deuteronomy chapter 16 and verse 16 and following says. That passage discusses how every man who is an Israelite had a responsibility to go to the temple three times a year. And every single time they went to the temple, they were to bring a sacrifice to offer that sacrifice back to God. A portion that that God has blessed them with They give a portion of it back to God. My question to you is this, this Christmas. Have you already begun to think, what will I sacrifice back to God? God has given me so much. What will I give to him? What will I give to his work? What will I give to the poor? Leviticus chapter number 23 and verse 22 says, On this specific holiday, holiday, uh, when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not wholly reap the corners of your field when you reap. Don't gather from the corners. Instead, leave them for the poor. If you don't know, during this time, many of the people were agricultural farmers. And on this holy day, they were not to reap all of their land. They were to reap it in circles and leave the corner of the field completely untouched. Certain trees that were ripe with fruit, don't touch those trees. Don't bring them into the harvest. Why? Because we leave those for the poor. The poor can come and take. It was their community's way of giving to the poor. I say all that to say this. Do you want to have a great holiday? Make it a truly holy day? Ask yourself, what will I give to God? What will I give to the work of God? Who is it that I know who is without that I can give as I give to the poor? Remember what Jesus said on the Olivet Discourse, when you've given unto the least of these, my brethren, you've given it unto me. And so one of the things we've learned as it relates to holy days, true holy days can be blessed if we understand that the holy day is about remember. Number two, sacrifice. Number three, feast. 
I'm going to say number three. You say feast. Number three. This is my favorite one, folks. Every holiday includes an understanding of feasting. Look what it says in Leviticus 23, verse 4. These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations. This is the blessing from God. This is the feast of God. The holy day is about feasting. I want to know from you, what foods are you excited about that you eat at Christmas time that you don't normally eat? This is part of the interactive part. How many of you have a special meal that you cook or a special feast or a special maybe uh, food that you don't typically have, but it's Christmas time, so you get that food? Oh, is this on? Somebody raise your hand and shout it out. What is it? Yes, right over here. What is it? Cinnamon rolls. Ladies and gentlemen, give this young man a round of applause. He knows how to celebrate Christmas. Do you, do you make them at your house, or does somebody else make them, or do you buy them from somewhere? Yeah, oh, man. God bless. God bless us, everyone. Yes. Very good. Hey, somebody else. Cinnamon rolls over there. Yes, over here. What'd you say? Tamales. Tamales, yes. I'm going to be like, oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. In fact, this morning in the 8.30 service, somebody said the same thing. It's a major tradition within many Latin families that they will celebrate with tamales. And you say, Pastor, do you? And the answer is yes, when you bring them to me. (laughs) Bring me your tamales, and I shall eat them for the Lord. (laughs) Amen. Somebody else, another special feast that you have, a special type of food. Yes, right here. Homemade Italian meatballs. Ladies and gentlemen, when I say homemade Italian meatballs, you say, you're, they're supposed to, supposed to say, ooh. Homemade Italian meatballs. I know. Wow. Sounds good. It sounds good. Now, some of you are like, I'm uncomfortable with all this talk about food. I'm on a diet. You shouldn't be. <laughs> like, no, really. Like you should not be, especially at the Christmas time. And, and, and this is really important aspect for a, a modern American to understand because as modern Americans, we are overly obsessed with food. We really are. I mean, just obsessed. Some of us are obsessed because we consume too much. It's all we ever think about. And the Bible has a word for it. It's called, it, it's, a, it's a sinful word. And it's a word that is, is, is a hard word today to hear, but it's true. It's called gluttony. And all throughout the year, we are so overly consumed with food, we feast more than we're supposed to, and we hurt our bodies. But there are others who are so overly consumed with food, all they ever think about is their diet, what I will not eat and what I won't eat and what I will eat, and their mind is constantly calculating all the aspects of food and all of these things, and their mind is so focused. And in one way or another, our society has become overly obsessed with either what I will eat or what I won't eat. Did you know that the Bible actually has an answer for this? The Bible demonstrates a natural rhythm of a life that includes both feasting and fasting. Feasting and fasting. There should be days and weeks in your life that you go without food, not just for your physical health, but for your spiritual health. 
Fasting is an exercise and a spiritual discipline our world has lost track of. Whether you fast for a meal or you fast for 18 hours or you fast for a day or a few days, as you fast, that's a natural rhythm of life. But so is feasting. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. Which means you should be able to go into a Thanksgiving and not feel, and I do mean this for some of you because you struggle with guilt, should not feel the least bit guilty about just enjoying a feast at Thanksgiving. Not a least bit guilty Christmas season. And by the way, if you'll notice in Leviticus chapter number 23, verse 39, look what it says. Keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. This particular feast was a feast that lasted seven days. Hallelujah. (laughs) On the first day, there shall be a Sabbath rest. That means you get a day off before it begins. And then on the eighth day, a Sabbath day of rest. So you get a day off after to recover. So basically, you get a day off. You eat for six solid days. You get a day off to just go, oh. This was a gift from God. Let me explain. When you graciously are showing gratitude to God for all that he's given you, and you feast to God, it is an act of worship to God. It's saying, thank you for all you've given us. Enjoy it without guilt. Feast. And then, January 1st, fast. (laughs) You didn't realize how biblical American culture has become, right? And, And so this is the rhythm of the Christian life as it relates to holy days. Holy days are to include sacrifice. Holy days are to include remembering. Holy days are to include feasts. Number four, holy days are to include, number four, fellowship. I'm going to say number four, you say fellowship. Number four, fellowship. This part is very important. Holidays are not meant to be celebrated in solitude. Holidays are meant to be celebrated in community. There should be moments of solitude, certainly. But you should be with people. Look at what it says in Leviticus 23, verse 36, about these ancient holidays that go back 4,000 years. It says, the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation, this holy day. It is a sacred assembly, meaning This holy day is about assembling together with others who are celebrating. It's not a day of solitude, it's a day of assembly. I want to address several different types of friends who are in the room because I pastor lots of different people. And I want to talk specifically about those who are here today who have plenty of community, but you know that there's somebody near you who is lonely and in solitude. And you know maybe the reason they're all alone is because they've pushed people away. Maybe, sure. Or maybe they're alone because they've, they've just gotten so toxic that it's like people just want to keep away from them. I get it. I get it. I get it. But you also, when I say, who do you know that will be lonely this Christmas season, somebody comes to mind for you. Maybe somebody that you work with. Somebody in your neighborhood, a family member, a friend. You're like, yeah, man, they are going to be this. Can I challenge you? 
to reach out to the lonely and pull them into your Christmas season. Great thing about our Christmas season, it doesn't last for seven days, it lasts for seven months, I think. I think that's how long Christmas is. But definitely between today and New Year's Day, there's 14 days during this Christmas season. Could it be possible that during that 14 days, you have a party, you have a dinner, you have a Christmas Eve lunch, and then go to Christmas Eve service, and there's somebody in your mind that may not have anybody that you pull them in and you say, hey, will you go with us? Will you spend time with us? Come and celebrate with our family. Who do you know that doesn't have who they used to have? Maybe it's because of their own pushing people away. Maybe because they've lost people and they're just lonely. Who is that for you? You say, well, how do I reach out to them? Well, I've created a text thread um, and uh, to show you kind of how to deal with that type of person. Let's go ahead and put it up. Here's the first text thread that might help. Uh, This one is uh, sent to Tony, somebody named Tony, and it says, hey, man. We're all going to Christmas Eve service and then going out to dinner. You want to join us? Look at Tony's reply. I'm good. Thanks, though. Let me ask you a question. How many of you in the room are more extroverted? You say, I'm more of an extrovert. That means I like to be around people. I enjoy being around people. How many extroverts? Raise your hand. How many of you like that? Raise your hand. Okay, very good. All right. How many of you are here? You say, I'm an introvert. I'm more like uh, inside. I just don't, not out there as much. How many introverts? Raise your hand. Some of you so introverted, you won't even raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this might, this might resonate with you. Say, I'm good, I'm good, thanks though. Now look how, how aggressive Tony gets because he knows, or look how aggressive this individual gets because he knows his friend Tony is, man, he's just lonely. No worries, let me know if schedule changes. Thumbs up, thumbs up, international sign for it, that's cool, leave me alone now. But look at what he does. The next day he checks back in, double checking, still see if you're busy on Christmas Eve. This is gonna be a lot of fun. Look at Tony's reply. Let me check and I'll let you know. But he doesn't let him know. He gets ghosted. You ever been ghosted by somebody? Oh, it happens to me all the time. I'm a pastor. I text hundreds of people every single week, some of you. I've got words to say. (laughs) Hey, let me check. I'll let you know. Notice this. He doesn't give up, Tony's friend. Hey, pal, one last time. If you're really busy, I totally understand. I just wanted to make sure that you are able to celebrate with friends on Christmas Eve. You say, why is he being so aggressive? Here's why. Because every Ebenezer Scrooge needs a nephew Fred. You don't know who you, are, who you have in life who keeps pushing everybody out of their life, but they are so close to repentance. They are so close to opening their heart. They are so close to being gained back in the community. I understand that they've done it to themselves. I understand that nobody really cares about them. I understand that they bring an awkwardness. What I'm saying is somebody needs to care about the lonely soul. That should be the Christian. Amen? Okay, now let me deal with the other flip side of that coin. Maybe you're the lonely soul and you've pushed people away. In fact, one too many times, people have already said, hey, come, hey, come, hey, come. And you're like, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. And then in the, here's the secret that we know, that I know, that you don't know that I know. In the solitude of your heart, when there is no one around, you enjoy that solitude to an extent, but then you begin to get upset with God and bitter with people because nobody cares about you. And you've iced people out of your life Your text threads might look something like this next one. Tony, a group of us are getting together for Natasha's house for Christmas party on the 22nd. Are you in? Ghosted. 
So Friday, he replies again, hey, Tony, did you get my first text message about the Christmas party? Love to have you there. Look at Tony's response. Yeah, thanks. I'm good. Hopefully, that makes it really clear. I don't need anybody. No worries. Merry Christmas. He's like, what, what if I've done that and I, I do need to reach out and build community, but I've kind of pushed people away. Here's what you need to do. Get humble and put out a simple text like, hey, I know I said I couldn't come, but things have changed. I'd really like to. Like maybe you need to reach out to your nephew, Fred, and say, hey, I don't need to isolate myself. I, I don't need to stay alone and isolate myself and self-medicate. I need to reach out and I need to be a part of the community. See what I'm saying? I want to address a third type of person when it comes to fellowship. I want to address the, the person in the room who, um, who doesn't have the same people that they used to have. Like you're entering this Christmas and this Christmas is going to be rough because she's not there anymore. Because they're not there for you anymore. Some of you are going to experience a more lonely Christmas because you're in the midst of a fight in the court system for your own children. You're going to experience a lonelier Christmas time because you, you used to have your mother and she's no longer there. And for whatever reason, this Christmas, you're unable to celebrate Christmas with the ones you want to celebrate Christmas with. You say, what do I do, Pastor? I'm supposed to have fellowship, but they're gone. I can't. And the answer is, celebrate with the people that you do have. Love the people that are around you. Don't long for the people who are not. Isn't it true that God has already brought you into another community, even this church? And isn't it true that some of you have already made the commitment to go to a small group and get to know other friends and celebrate with these people? And in your workplace and in your neighborhood, you have already met those people who have reached out. Why not love the people that God has placed you around instead of longing for the people who God has taken out of your life? In doing so, this holy day can be about fellowship and not sitting alone, saddened about the fact it cannot be as it once was. Fellowship. It's one of the hacks, tips, tricks to what it means to have a magical Christmas. And then there's a fifth. And for those of you who are tired today, anybody here that's tired, if you're tired, say amen. You're like, oh, yeah, amen. <laughs> I tell people all the time, I ask people all the time, how you doing? I'm busy, pastor, I'm busy. Then if you, they really open up to you, how you doing? They're like, I'm tired, pastor, I'm tired. Some of you are yawning right now. Josh, ra- relax, man. You're going to love this last point. Christmas is not Christmas. A holy day is not a holy day unless you remember. Sacrifice, feast, fellowship. Number five, you must rest. You must rest. Say Christmas and rest, those don't go hand in hand, but they should. Can I get an amen? Amen. Look at what Leviticus chapter 23 verse 3 says about that holy day. It says, you shall do no work on it. It is the Sabbath. No work. Say amen. amen. Look what it says in verse 21. And you shall proclaim on the same day that it is a holy day to you. You shall do no customary work on it. The work that you're customary to doing, stop it. Stop it. Rest. I want you to say it with me. Rest. 
it's okay. Say it with me. Come on. It's okay to not get it done. Say it with me. It's okay to not get it done. Say it again. It's okay to not get it done. It's okay not to get it done. It's okay. Listen, moms in the room, it's okay if it doesn't get done. Say, but you don't understand. I have to get it done. If I don't build the gingerbread mansion, who's going to build it? Nobody. 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 And you know what? Christmas will still happen. And you know what? You'll actually be there for it. It's okay if it doesn't get done. So just let it go. See, you don't understand. I have to write 7,000 people a handwritten note before Christmas Eve. And if I don't, Santa won't come. Okay, it'll be fine. It's okay if it doesn't get done. Rest. The whole purpose of a celebration, a set-apart holy day, is to say this is a day that is not like the other days. The other days are crazy busy. The other days are filled with all sorts of responsibility. This day is a day of rest. So if you're new to Christianity, like Heather was new to my family, you might be saying, well, how do you actually have a a true Christmas that is really magical? Well, you have to understand what a holy day actually is. A holy day is a set-apart day that focuses upon five elements that all holy days should have. Time to remember, time to sacrifice, time to feast, a time to rest, and a time to whatever the other one was, I forgot. It was a test, you knew. All right, fellowship. I'm praying you have a great holiday. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. Thank you that this passage that was written by Moses 4,000 years ago describing their holy days can teach us something about our holy days. I pray that it would be something special as we follow the biblical pattern for celebrating you and special days. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for watching Josh Tice's most recent Bible sermon. If you think of someone who may enjoy this one, go ahead and send it or post it today. If you're ever in Las Vegas on Sunday, we'd love for you to stop by Southern Hills and see us in person. If you benefit from this virtual ministry, we'd also like to encourage you to support our gospel efforts by sending a donation to the ministries of Southern Hills. You can do so by visiting southernhillslv.com and clicking the Give tab.